Hey everyone, hope you're all staying safe and healthy. I'm Autumn Agar, this is KBD Radio, and this week we are chatting with David Behrens of Refined Kitchens. Hey David, it's awesome to have you with us today. Thanks so much, happy to be here. So to kind of start us out, uh, tell us about your company, Refined Kitchens, and uh, your mission and kind of how the idea for this business came about. Sure. Yeah, so um, what we do is zero waste remodeling. It's essentially full cycle building material reuse. So we start in one house who wants to demolish something that isn't at the end of its useful life. That's the language I like to use because there's lots of things that you know, may not be somebody's taste, but they're still very much usable and um, can find another home. Uh, and so those are the kind of projects where we can come in and we can extract those kinds of materials, sort of a surgical removal. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we take those and we design them in a select portion of them. We take them, we design them into other projects. So typically we're talking kitchens and baths and we reconfigure the cabinets, build matching cabinets as needed and lay them out for new space and then partner with folks to build it. And uh, as far as the question about when or how this whole thing started, um, it, it started because uh, I was seeing a, a, a lot of things. One, I had a lot of time on my hands. I was applying for different jobs. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. I was coming out of sustainable agriculture and I'd been growing a bunch of vegetables and I'd done a bunch of traveling. And I was like, that wasn't quite where I saw myself. And I was, you know, working um, as sort of a handyman doing some different jobs. And I was on different job sites and I was like, this is a problem. You know, I've always been interested in sustainability. I'm like, there's waste here that doesn't need to be waste. It doesn't need to be treated as something that needs to be disposed of. This is a resource stream we could be tapping into as a society, as a community. And I just happened to have a mom who is the exact right person to call about this kind of problem uh, <laughs> because she's been in interior design for, you know, a couple of decades at this point. And, um, and, and so I picked up the phone and said, Hey mom, you know, uh, I don't know how to do this, but is there a way we could take something like this set of cabinets that's getting thrown away and could you design it into somebody else's house? Because the thought was there's, you know, there's lots of different ways that people repurpose, reuse materials, but these, uh, these bigger problems, these bigger materials, it tends to be a lot harder, right? Like refabricating countertops, sure. you know, uh, re- laying out cabinets differently in a way that is functional and purposeful and you're not sacrificing design. You know, like the, it tends to be people think of repurposing, they think of like some eclectic hodgepodge, somebody whose hair is sticking up like, you know, they just got electrocuted and, you know, kind of the mad <laughs> scientist kind of vibe. And, uh, you know, we're really not shooting for that. We're kind of, it's much more mainstream kind of can, you know, um, I don't want to say conventional, but it's just, you know, the the design is seamless. Like our goal is to make it look like it's not, um, distinguishable from buying a set of cabinets new. It's, it's almost like you're getting, um, you know, you, you would like to buy the Rolls Royce, but you'd really prefer to pay a little less for it. So if you can buy it a couple of years old, then why not? Um, So, yeah, and uh, with her design experience and her, you know, interest in tackling difficult problems, um, we kind of started down this path. That's super cool. And, and, you know, I'm kind of wondering if you could walk us through the process of what recycling and repurposing kitchens looks like for you. And and, uh, I'm wondering if you have any particularly interesting stories of projects that you can share with us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, So the process... It begins with really 
the, the, the audience who might be listening to this, the people, you know, get your designers or contractors, industry professionals out there, um, picking up the phone and saying, Hey, I don't want to throw this out. You know, we've got demo guys, they do demo great, you know, but we don't have these people who can do really good building material salvage work. Uh, we like to call it deconstruction, but that's what it is. It's salvage, um, in a way that's done carefully and methodically, uh, systematically. So that's what we, we begin with. We start with those folks and then there's a lot of different benefits for people along the way. Right. So the client or whoever's in charge of the materials it can take a large tax deduction for the donation of those building materials. We work with a few different nonprofits. Um, and in doing so, you know, hopefully that provides a financial incentive to take what is typically only a little bit more time, right? Mm-hmm. So if you were to demo a kitchen, it's usually done, um, if you're just talking cabinets and the countertops and stuff, usually done in a day or two. Right. And we're usually done in a day or two. So it might take us an extra half a day to pack up the truck because obviously we're doing that with care versus just throwing it into a trailer or a dumpster. Um, but uh, it's really comparable in terms of the time frame. So one, you know, people seeing that there's a financial incentive to do it and two, people understanding that it really takes a, a similar amount of time. Uh, and then three, hopefully really appreciating the fact that by picking up the phone, calling somebody to do deconstruction, you know, for a typical kitchen, you're saving a ton. You're saving 2000 or more pounds of building material from heading yeah. to landfill. Um, so uh, that's the process as it begins. You know, we get a phone call, we go through these, these tax documents, we do the inventory, we make sure all this paperwork happens in the background. We give a quote. Sometimes we do these removals for free, depending on the materials. Um, and then uh, we go out, we do the deconstruction, we take the material uh, back to our warehouse. Uh, where we clean it, do any minor repair if necessary, any refinishing that needs to be done. And, uh, and then we make sure that we have like a meticulous inventory of, of all of the pieces, right? So mm-hmm. like, what are their dimensions? So that way we can then take those dimensions, put it into CAD and be able to lay it out for somebody else. Do you, um, um, so that's, yeah. you know, just curious, do you happen to have, do you have like, um, projects in mind for these pieces uh, as you acquire them? Or, or do you just, you know, talk to a potential client and be like, oh, you know what, mm-hmm. I have a piece that's going to fit right where you want it kind of thing. <laughs> we have, it's kind of like, you know, like, uh, you know, Beshert, uh, right? So like, you know, Yiddish for, um, for kismet or fate, right? Sometimes <laughs> it's just like things just come together at the right time, you know? And um, we, we, uh, we do keep a wish list. So sometimes if people can be patient with us, then they can wait until the right thing comes in for them. And sometimes it really is like, Oh my God, you know, like, uh, this is exactly what I needed at the right time. Um, but yeah, with the wish list, we usually try and pair match a little bit better. So if we know something's coming out and we're like, Oh yeah, this is exactly, you know, what autumn needs, they really want this. Then, uh, we, we go ahead and, um, and let you know that that just came in and, um, and go from there. And then in terms of like particularly interesting stories that you asked for before I gave this long winded explanation. No, I cut um, you off. <laughs> it, 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 uh, it, you know, there's kind of like two different stories, two different sides of the business, right? So there's like my side of the business, which is really this deconstruction centered world uh, of taking things out carefully. Um, and then there's my mom's side of the world, which is design, right? Actually mm-hmm. getting these things into the warehouse and then putting them into another house. Um, and so from my perspective, you know, the fun and interesting things are really these odd challenges of how to take something apart that people didn't want taken apart. <laughs> um, so, 
you know, it's like I spent five hours at a job site in Burlingame in the San Francisco Bay Area um, taking out a countertop. It was a Calcutta Borghini natural marble slab. And uh, oh, there's different types of adhesives used, right? So it's like, um, you know, this island was basically five feet wide by like 10, not quite like uh, eight or nine feet long. And uh, and it was adhered with a construction adhesive, like a liquid nails, which uh, usually would be the death knell for this type <laughs> of, of removal, right? Because it's like super strong and it, it basically brings up the subtop in chips and yep. really challenging versus like a mastic. So anybody out there who's <laughs> involved in countertops, if you could please just use a type one mastic and just a few drops of it, you know, for countertops because they're not going anywhere and they weigh a lot. And it would really be a huge help to me when I show up later to try and take it apart. But, um, uh, the, uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, I spent, you know, five or six hours, uh, to take, get this piece off of this countertop and it was super rewarding. And, you know, we tried different techniques and we have different, you know, ways to just like very carefully begin to apply pressure and to shim up and, and to start popping some of those glue spots. And, uh, and then we got to take that in this woman who uh, is part of the green building community down here. She's got a property that she's looking to remodel and she keeps tabs on us and what we're up to. And, mm-hmm. you know, she saw this piece of marble come in and she was so excited. And so we put it on a truck and we drove it over to her place. And, um, you know, now she's just waiting to install it. So, you know, that kind of process for me feels amazing, right? It's like this giant piece of, of the earth that was right. cut and polished to travel thousands and thousands of miles on a shipping container from God knows where, probably Italy, um, you know, and, and now it's here and, and, you know, now it gets to live in somebody else's home where it's going to be loved again. So yeah. that's kind of the fun part for me. And then also just like taking large, heavy things and moving them carefully. Right. So it's like, I call it the Zen and the art of moving heavy things. Right. If you know the book, Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. Yep. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, we just like, we move heavy things carefully. Like that's like what we spend a lot of time doing is, you know, craning refrigerators out of second stories, um, you know, taking vanities over balconies and like yeah. finding a way to, to create a pulley system and slow them down or, um, or like the super little meticulous stuff that, you know, my dad is a surgeon and, and maybe this comes from him, but, you know, like uh, figuring out how to get a box out from within a box. So like, you know, there's like a Finnish cabinet that has a finished cabinet inside of it. Um, that was used for display and then it's been pinned in on all sides. So how do you remove something that has pin nails going in on all four sides? Um, So figuring out that problem, you know, and then simple things like figuring out that if they really painted and filled over the screw heads really well, and you can't see them, how do you find them? You know, and then learning Mm -hmm. to use magnets and going over cabinets with magnets and start to remove stuff. Um, I find that really fun. Um, So that's my side of things. And, and then my mom's side of things is obviously very different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, that, yeah, it's exactly that. Like, it's like, how do you stay patient and calm? Don't panic, you know, when you're dealing with stuff that is, is fragile. So, um, yeah, that's my thing. And then her thing is really like, uh, this creative spatial reasoning, you know what I mean? Like she's basically taking, um, taking she well here's her words right she she mixes her metaphors here right so she says um the cabinets are my legos and i play tetris all day (laughs) and i mean it's kind of exactly what it is right i mean you know she just basically says okay this is the shape i've got this is its purpose you know when now how do i fit it into this layout 
And um, so she's done stuff like she takes an upper cabinet, turns it on its side, changes the hinge orientation to a vertical open to frame out over a refrigerator or to provide um, like a book storage, um, you know, that was conceived as part of something that the client wanted, but, you know, that we didn't have a box for. And so she creates it and, um, you know, and then matching finishes, finding sources, finding, you know, craftsmen who can match finishes, build custom boxes to complete our designs. If we're just missing like a little nine inch pullout or something, and then we can Mm -hmm. build one extra box. Then, you know, it's like, uh, that's, that's her game, you know, and she's really good at it. (laughs) I mean, the last, (laughs) we've obviously learned a lot, but that's, that's her thing. Yeah. It's like you're doing kind of similar sort of delicate surgical processes, but like almost on opposite uh, sides of the design process. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, I'm I'm wondering, um, you know, you've gone into this a bit, but how do you ensure that your process is, is truly no waste? And, and kind of what does that mean for you? And, and what benefits do, mm-hmm. have you found that this has for your business? So first I'll say that like we use the language of zero waste, but unlike um, sort of consumer facing zero waste movement, um, it's really not achievable. And if it is achievable, it would be so incredibly time consuming to get to truly 100% zero waste in this industrial kind of commercial setting, you know, Um, but we get to 90, 95, 98% diversion on some of these projects. So if you imagine instead of throwing away an entire kitchen, we have one little trash container, right? We don't even use a plastic bag because why put it in a plastic bag? We just put it right into mm-hmm. our, our little uh, Rubbermaid Brute 35 gallon, you know, whatever little pieces of trim or whatever little pieces of blocking that we needed to, that, that aren't going to be reusable. You know, that's the amount of waste that we're producing off of these kitchen projects as long as we can, you know, salvage the countertops. Right. And, um, you know, and then finding a lot of reuse partners is the next thing, right? So one, we minimize, we reduce waste as much as possible. It's just kind of like the four R's process. We're just doing it in our business, right? So first we reduce as much as we can the waste off these job sites and gets down to the super small amount. Next, we find as many reuse partners as we can. So that means different nonprofits, organizations that are looking for certain kinds of material, even just Craigslisting free certain things that the nonprofits won't take. You know, like there's some folks that don't want used bathtubs We've got perfectly good bathtub from Kohler and, you know, it, it doesn't fit into our inventory. And so we just like offer it up to somebody else, you know, and yeah. so sometimes it even just is at that kind of peer to peer level. Um, and then, you know, after we find as many reuse options as we can, then we source separate and we recycle. So uh, carpeting, for example, we've got places to take carpeting where it can be recycled. It just needs to be separated from the other C and D, you know, construction and demolition waste. Right. And then we load that into shipping containers that goes to recycling and the rest of the C&D goes to recycling facilities locally um, where it's processed. And so thankfully, we've got um, a couple of really great facilities. They're operated by Edco here. And, um, you know, they source they separate out, you know, drywall, wood, um, you know, all these different kinds of building materials that can then be processed and either chipped up into some sort of usable product or reformed into something else. Uh, so their diversion rates for their facilities are usually between, you know, uh, 65 to 85%, depending on where they're at. Um, and so uh, when we drop off a load, uh, that means that, you know, anywhere between 65 to 85% of that load is getting diverted. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's really our process. And that's kind of how we get as close to zero waste as we can. And, and obviously the little things, you know, we still pay attention to them. You know, it's like, 
we recycle on our job sites. Our bottles yeah. and cans don't go into our waste stream. You know, we don't use plastic whenever possible. Like when we're sending things out for freight shipping, right. um, you know, we either reuse packaging that we have or we use cardboard and straps and rubber bands and that kind of thing. Yeah, the little things are important too, for sure. Now, to kind of, uh, you, you've kind of gone into this a bit already. Um, you co-own this business with your with your mom, and I'm wondering, you know, what makes you an I- ideal team? Because I know <laughs> I certainly would not be able to work with <laughs> with my family. I don't think <laughs> so. Uh, you know, what kind of what makes that work, and uh, what unique skills do you think each of you kind of brings to the business? Um, you know, aside from your uh, from your obvious background differences. Yeah, well, if your family were workaholics, maybe you'd have an easier time with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, my mom, she's, you know, she's, I think what makes us an ideal team is uh, some combination of uh, stubborn force of will and meticulousness. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we just like in our own ways, you know, she's, uh, it, she believes in why we do what we do, you know, and I believe in why we do what we do. And I think that's right. a huge thing that keeps you coming back to work, you know, um, but it's also this kind of attention to detail thing. Like she loves, uh, she loves the details of the design process. She really likes the kind of architectural functional parts. You know, she's got the mind for space, for flow adjacencies, you know, how things all match up together to make something feel, uh, natural, you know, like it was just supposed to be that way. Um, and so the business is kind of siloed in that way. She's, she has her thing and then I have my thing. And I think, that almost makes it easier, right? Because then we're not getting in each other's way. Right. Um, you know, but it also frees her up to do what she does best, frees me up to do what I do best. And, um, and yeah, I think the, you know, what I, what I bring to the table, I guess, is, uh, um, what do I bring to the table? That's a, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a question, huh? Um, I, I guess, uh, you know, it, it kind of is this, my background, like my, my, my college education was in economics. And so mm-hmm. being able to kind of see the incentives, align the incentives, you know, what, what motivates people? It's like, not everybody has to be on board with, you know, uh, our environmental motivations. Like there right. are motivations, but you know, there's other things in this process that benefit you along the way, right? You can do it because it saves you money. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. You know, you could do it because you care about the fact that, you know, a portion of the proceeds of this process go to build affordable housing through our nonprofit partners. You know, you can be motivated by different things and still come to this process and still see how it's good for, you know, everybody, including, you know, our ecosystem at large. So I think that's probably the skill that I'm, I'd probably be most proud of as part of this business. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, we've been living in different times lately, obviously. So, uh, you know, I, I've got to ask, how does how has COVID kind of impacted that removal and recycling process? Because I got to imagine things are a little different. You know, one advantage of being in the deconstruction part of things is that uh, we're already typically inside of plastic walls and with masks on, <laughs> you know, when we're doing our job. So um, it's, uh, it, you know, we've been fortunate to be able to kind of keep operations fairly standard. Um, obviously, just masking and social distancing protocols, you know, we're right. we're following those. And, um, you know, thankfully, our staff is vaccinated and, um, you know, we uh, we're happy to be in a place where we feel uh, a lot more comfort in operating in, in a highly vaccinated area, uh, which thankfully we are. And um, so, yeah. And then our, you know, um, the other facilities and partners, 
we've been able to uh, continue kind of moving material to them and through them um, without a whole lot of impediment. So, yeah, um, thankfully, we may be a little bit of an exception to the rule here in terms of how COVID has impacted that part of the process. Obviously, you've got stuff on the design side where it's like, oh, well, we're sourcing, you know, new material or, um, you know, supply chain problems, that kind of thing. You guys were masking up before anyone else, so you were yeah, right. To it. I mean, we were, you know, like I get, I get the guys' respirators because you know, even if it's just drywall demo or even if it's a little tile that has to come out, you know, it's like I'd prefer their lungs be healthy for a long time than you know, yep. um, than the you know the contrary or the, the opposite problem. So yeah. Well, David, I really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. This has been really cool. Yeah, thanks for calling. <laughs> KBD Radio is hosted and produced by Autumn McGar with music by David Ayala. For more information about kitchen and bath design news, please visit our website at kitchenbathdesign.com. Mm-hmm.